you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. Merry Christmas everyone, it's Christmas Eve. We're coming to the, the end of our Christmas season of messages that has led us all the way through the different intricacies and the different facts about Christmas. I hope you've learned some stuff that you never knew about the place of Jesus' birth, the time of Jesus' birth, and all of the stuff around it, because it's there in Scripture. But like everything in life, the Christmas story is a process. It's a journey. I don't know about you, but this Christmas seems to have been a long journey. For us, it seems to have started about two months ago. Um, We've had so many Christmas dinners and so many different things that have taken place. But here we are. We're trying to finally get into the main event tomorrow. But it's a journey. It's a process. And when it's understood, when this whole Christmas message is understood and accepted for what it truly is, there's always healing at the end of it. There's always going to be healing at the end of this this message because every single thing that God narrates through Scripture always has a good ending. There's always a good outcome. But just like life, man, we need the right people in the right places to be there, we, we, it's very important that you, you're in the right place at the right time with the right people to get the right results. Amen. And we looked at that last week and it's, it's very important to understand what this Christmas thing really is all about. It's not just tradition. There is that and it's okay. And, and we all have our own traditions. We, you know, we, we, we white Westerners, we have our... Christmas-style dinners, and West Indians have different stuff, and our African friends have different stuff, and, you know, uh, our Asian friends have different stuff. There's different traditions. Even some people don't even celebrate it on the 25th. They celebrate it on the 6th or the 7th of January. There's different traditions around this season, and it's okay because it's just a tradition to some people. But when you have a look at it and you scratch the surface of Scripture, you start to find out some amazing things. And we're going to look at some of that stuff for the last time today. Most people argue rightly that Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. And if you argued that, how many of you have ever said that before or someone said it to you? And that's true. We, 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 we don't believe that Jesus was born on the 25th. There is one tradition that says he was born on the 25th based upon the time of his conception and all the rest of it, you know, um, but the evidence in Scripture is that he was born on another day. A lot of people argue that the 25th was just a pagan festival, etc., etc., and blah, 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 and they talk about trees and, you know, they take random Scriptures out of Jeremiah and different things and start, you know, looking at, at stuff weirdly. But the thing is this, there is truth, there is fact, about this season that brings healing when you understand it. When people mutter negatively about Christmas, it's probably because they've missed the entire spiritual significance of what God's trying to show at this time. But dig a little deeper into Scripture. Go past the surface and you'll find some amazing facts that are going to bring perspective to this time of year. So are you ready? For the last thing this year about getting a bit of perspective about Christmas. Here's the thing. I'm going to take you through a little bit of a timeline. 
We've all watched the children do nativity, right? And they kind of, you know, they come on and, you know, one's a, or two of them are a donkey and one's a sheep. And, you know, you've all had your kids do that. They've, you've all lost tea towels when they put them over their heads when they're the shepherds and dressing gowns and stuff like that. And then the whole nativity is cute and it's a great rendering, but they all kind of lump everything in together. Someone, you know, thinks they've scored because they're one of the three wise men. You know, but, but Scripture doesn't even say there were three. It just says there were three gifts. There's probably going to be a lot more wise men than that. Can the women say amen? Because one day you've got to believe that there are wise men. There's more than three wise men in the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think it was women that actually came up with that. There was only three wise men. That's all you're ever going to get. <laughs> Jesus was born. Can someone say amen? This is a pretty undisputable fact amongst historians and theologians alike. You know, no one really argues about the fact that Jesus was born. He's not just a mythical figure. He was an actual person that was actually born. There is no one in academia anywhere really except some hardcore anti-godists or atheists who say that Jesus was not a real person. Everyone believes that Jesus was born. But here's the thing. When you take calculations, astronomical calculations from the book of Revelation chapter 12, some clever people, people that are cleverer than me, have taken that whole section and they've seen that that is actually looking at astronomical, not astrological. We're not, we're not into the star signs. It's not about that. But the actual movements of the planets and they've calculated, based upon the evidence in Scripture, they've given us a date as to Jesus' birth. Because Revelation 12 is about Jesus' birth. And they've come up with a date of September the 11th, 3 BC. Now, whether or not you believe in that, there's a load of academic evidence that believes now that that was the time of Jesus' birth. It corresponds to the, the Jewish feast of Rosh Hashanah or Shofarot, which is the first of Tishri, which is the Jewish New Year, which was what they say traditionally was also the time that Adam was created. So it kind of makes sense that if the time Adam was created was on that day, then the second Adam that comes, that's probably the right time for him to be born, who's going to come and undo the, the, the madness that the first Adam done, the second Adam's going to come and undo it. So it kind of dovetails. But what that leaves us is a gap. That leaves us now with a gap. What happens then? Why, why the 25th? What goes on? Here's the, here's, here's the next thing in the process. So you hold that date. The date is there in Scripture. But then also the place where Jesus was born is another fact that adds to the wonderful tapestry and wonderful picture about this time of year. And we've looked at this several times this month about where he was born outside Bethlehem that was prophesied by prophets five to six, seven hundred years previous, that Bethlehem was going to be the place of the birth of the Messiah. But then also it spoke about something called the Migdoeda, the watchtower of the flocks. This was a place outside Bethlehem where the sheep, and there were special sheep. These were, these were the sheep that were going to give birth to the lambs that were going to be examined by the Levitical shepherds, the expert shepherds, to see whether or not they would qualify to become sacrifices in the temple at Passover. So they were born in this place. Are you starting to see the picture of where Jesus was born and how, how significant and symbolic that was? Jesus, the Lamb of God, was actually born, not in some old shed out the back, 
when it says that there was no room found for him, it was because in those days you couldn't give birth in a house, otherwise everyone in the house was going to be unclean. So no one at this time of year in a census was going to let a woman come and give birth in their house. So that's why Joseph and Mary had to find somewhere else. It wasn't that Joseph got it wrong on booking.com. <laughs> You've seen the memes, right? Joseph is like, Mary's like, did you book a place for us? And he's like, yeah, babes, all over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Playing on his phone. And then when they get there, it's like, oh, sorry, there's no room. Oh, what? Booking.com strikes again. It's not like that. They would have actually gone to this place specifically. Why? Because that was mentioned in Scripture. And to follow through on all of the things, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, he had to have been born in the Migdoeda, the place where all the lambs were born that were going to be used as sacrifices in the temple. And it needed to be the angels who were the experts in examining the lambs that were going to be the first ones to come and witness his birth so that they would then be able to give is the stamp of approval that yes, he is without spot or blemish. Yes, this is the Lamb of God. So all of this stuff is significant. And all of this stuff would have happened in around that September period. It was part of this process. Then what you find is, eight days later in the, the timeline, Jesus was circumcised on day eight after his birth. And he was given the name Jesus. That was what the angel Gabriel told Joseph that he was going to be called. In, in Hebrew... The language of the day, his name was Yeshua, and it means literally salvation. Check that out. He shall be called salvation. You can read throughout the, the, the Old Testament in Hebrew, the name Jesus pops up several times. Because every time it's talking about the, sa the salvation of God, it's talking about Jesus. Ha Yeshua. Amen? It's powerful stuff. When you scratch the surface, when you scratch the surface of Scripture, you see this all over. The Bible. And how many of you know that day eight after a baby's birth is the, most, is the best time to be circumcised? Because apparently, miraculously, God's ordained it that your blood don't clot on that day or something, day eight. Something's happening in your birth so that once he gets the snip, he ain't going to bleed too much. He ain't going to hurt him too much. That's the best time to do it. Can you see how things are worked out? And he was taken to the temple. He was circumcised on day eight, given the name of Jesus, according to Jewish tradition and the instruction of the angel Gabriel. Then a month later, on the 40th day after his birth, Mary was purified at the temple. So they were there in Nazareth. They went back to the temple. Mary was purified. They made the sacrifices for her purification. And Jesus then was dedicated and he was prophesied over by Simeon. And then Anna praised God and told everyone about Jesus. She was a woman that just lived in the temple. Simeon was someone who was an old man who had, who had been told by God that he would not die before he saw salvation, before he saw the Saviour. And there all of a sudden, in he came, the Lamb of God, a young baby with his mother and his father, and Simeon was blown away. He's like, this is it. And he took him and he prophesied over him. You can read all of this in Matthew and Luke's Gospels. Powerful stuff. But then what happened? Then... They went back to Nazareth. We find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 39. So they went back to Nazareth for a little bit because that's where they came from originally, right? So they went down there to Bethlehem for the census. You know, they had to mark their names down and blah, blah, blah to, to fulfill the Roman requirement. Then they went back to Nazareth. And then they were there for a, maybe a year, you know, several months at least. 
While this was happening, while this was happening, in Persia, a star was, was formed in the sky. There was a group of people in Persia called the Magi. These were a, a, a priestly order. And Daniel, ever heard of Daniel in the Bible? So Daniel was one of the Magi. He became one of the Magi. He was a Hebrew. We know his story. Daniel prophesied that there would be one that would come as the Son of Man. And he would be God. And he prophesied all of this stuff. And then all of these Magi, in the order of Daniel, they were waiting for the sign that would tell them when this Messiah was born. And this was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that they were waiting for this sign. And then while all of this was happening, while Jesus was being born, while he's being dedicated, while he's being circumcised and dedicated, in Persia a star is seen. Amen? This star that was there, shining down on this, this, this time and this place. And immediately they knew, based upon their calculations, because they were like the scientists of their day, they knew that this, this meant that the, the king was being born. The king of the universe, the Messiah was being born. Check that out. All of this is happening at the same time. So the Magi, they then get together and they get all of their stuff together. They get their caravan together. And I'm not, I'm not talking about a little six birth thing that you pull behind your car. Amen. A whole... They would have had camels and donkeys and they would have had gifts and they got all their gifts together. And some people even say that Daniel got all this stuff together, gold and frankincense and myrrh, because these were symbolic gifts and got it all together. And then they would make that long, long, long journey from Persia right the way across the deserts down into Judea. And then let's take up the story in Matthew chapter 2. Are you with me so far? Can you see the timeline? All of these amazing things are taking place. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men or magi from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Check that out. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why? Because he was the king. He was a usurper king. He wasn't even a Jew. He had got his, his, his kingship because he was a, a, a minion of the Romans. But he was hated. He wasn't liked. And now all of a sudden, there's a king of the Jews rising up. That's going to threaten me. What am I going to do about that? My goodness. Things are starting to get ruffled. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the Magi. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Right? So all of a sudden now, there's, there's the timeline kicking in. Right? Are you still with me? Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. I don't think he wanted to worship him. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. 
It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. Notice it's a house now. It's a house now. It's not the, the watchtower of the flock. It's not the migdoeda. It's not the manger. It's not that place where the lambs are born. Now they're in a house. There's a difference in timing. And they saw the child with his mother. The Greek word in the, 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 the New Testament here for the ch word child is padion, and it means a toddler. When you scratch the surface. He's not a baby no more, he's a little toddler. Amen. There's a time difference. Are you following me? They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. That word bowed down is a Greek word, proskuneo. It means literally to prostrate, them, prostrate themselves. You do not do that if you are one, some high-powered wise man unless you are bowing down to someone who is mightier and greater than you. It was very unusual to prostrate in front of a child, just a normal child. The only time you would do that is in front of a king or a ruler. But it shows that these wise men, these scientists of their day, these people that were astronomers and scientists who had read these signs, that had looked for this time, had come to this place and seen this child and bowed down, prostrated themselves on their face and worshipped this young toddler. Powerful, powerful stuff. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So they come to Jerusalem, they visit the usurper king and Roman puppet Herod. They asked where the new king was, Herod got weird. So they split, they went to Bethlehem, where the star had stopped moving. Now watch this. And I know I'm being a little bit technical with you, but how many of you know, this will change the way you see Christmas forever, if you catch this. You know this date can actually astronomically be calculated to December the 25th, 2 BC. About 15 months, 16 months after Jesus was born. Based upon biblical evidence. On that day, watch this, Jupiter stopped in the sky in the abdomen region of Virgo, signifying the woman and birth. And it stayed in that place for six days at a meridian position of six degrees over the southern horizon, <laughs> shining directly down on Bethlehem. I know that was technical, but I just want you to know and I want you to understand how exact Scripture is. This ain't just a bunch of traditions cobbled together by a, a random group of people. There is evidence that can be reviewed, that can be calculated, that shows that what we believe is fact. And even though faith is about evidence, it ain't just blind faith. There is evidence for why we believe in the living God. There is evidence for why we follow His Word. There is evidence that when we do what He says, there is good things that come. These things are exact. And these things happened. And they all happened at this time. It blows me away. And so we read in Matthew 2.11, the major I found Jesus as a young boy at this time, star over the place where they were at, in a house, as a toddler, and like the shepherds at his birth, they worshipped him. Hallelujah. And it was also during the, 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 the Hebrew festival of Hanukkah where they bring gifts. So the gifts that they gave him were significant. They weren't just random gifts. 
You ain't recycling these gifts. I know that some of you are going to go and visit someone this Christmas and you're going to give them something that they're going to recycle next Christmas because you didn't think about it. It wasn't intentional. Amen. I'm not talking about socks and pants. Hallelujah. Because they're always, you know, they're always helpful. Some men, you know, the holes in their socks, they've been waiting for this day for a whole year to get them socks and pants. Hallelujah. Amen. Can the men say amen? Some of you women have been waiting for those beauty products. Hallelujah. Amen. And whatever else it gets, the perfume and all that, you've been waiting for it. You ain't going to recycle that. But some of the other stuff is random. Don't give random gifts just for the sake of it. Amen. Not everyone wants a puzzle. Gold was significant. Gold speaks of the kingship. Of Jesus. Because I, I don't know if you realize that he is king of the universe. He is king over every king. He is lord over every lord. He is more powerful than Biden or Putin or, you know, Rishi Sunak. He is more powerful than anyone that there is in any place of power or significance anywhere. He is more powerful than Lucifer, than Satan, than all of his demons. He is more powerful. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He holds that by right. He is king and gold symbolizes kingship. And then frankincense. Frankincense speaks of his priestly duty. Because I mean, if you know, he is the high priest of our salvation. He is the one that went into the temple in heaven, the tabernacle in heaven, and instead of taking the blood of a sheep or a goat or a lamb, he took his own blood and he washed away all of the sins of the people that believe in him and trust in him for salvation. He is now the saviour of the universe, the high priest. We never need another priest. You never need to make another sacrifice in all of your life. God's not concerned with your performance. He's concerned with your allegiance. It doesn't matter what you do, really. You can't ever earn salvation. You just receive it as a gift because Jesus has paid the price. He is the high priest. Frankincense was a symbol that he was the priest. And then what about myrrh? What about myrrh? Myrrh's a funny word. I saw a thing on the, on the internet about someone from Northern Ireland. And they, was using, they said, what do you call someone who's in charge of a town? She went, mur, mur. <laughs> Amen. And then they kept going on, and every single word was mur, mur, mur. And they said, what did they bring for Jesus? They went, mur. <laughs> it's like, come on. But mur was an embalming ointment. And what this did was anticipate his death. Tell me if you know, this is the season, but Passover's the reason. This is where we celebrate his birth. We celebrate the fact of his birth. We celebrate the journey. We celebrate all of the things that he accomplished. Every single little thing, every detail that he did that qualifies him to become the saviour. That's why you can place your faith in Jesus to be your Lord and saviour. That he will not only save you, forgive you, and set your feet upon a, a, a firm foundation of life. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you dignity. He'll give you belonging. He'll give you destiny. You can trust in Jesus above every other thing. That he will be who he says he will be. He will do what he said he will do. Because every single detail has been worked out. And not only that, 
but this anticipated the fact that not only would this, this, not only would God be born as a human. You know why he was born as a human? So that he could pay for our sins as humans. Had to be a human, man, to pay for the sins of the humans that messed up. But it had to be a human without sin. And there's none of us are without sin. Amen? How many of you support Man United? See? See? There's no one without sin. I'm just messing. Anyone in here support Liverpool? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. There's no words. But he had to be born in the way that he was born. Live the way that he lived so that he could die the way that he was going to die. So that he would pay the price for you and me. There's no one else. You ain't going to work it out yourself because you're your own worst enemy. You needed someone else to come in and do what you couldn't do so that you could live for eternity and not spend the rest of eternity just miserable in darkness, nowhere, surrounded by no one, in loneliness and darkness and regret. So he gives us that, that ability for eternal life. And that's what myrrh signified. These gifts weren't small or cheap things. They would have taken up a lot of space. doesn't tell us how much gold, but if you look back to when the Magi would go and they would proclaim kingship over a normal king, there can be like several talents of gold. It can be a huge, great big thing. It could be buckets of myrrh. It can be, you know, barrels of, of frankincense, loads of it. This was big stuff. This was expensive stuff. This was the expensive stuff of its day. And more of, more, moreover, it wasn't just expensive, it was intentional. This was thought through. I mean, if you know the best gifts are the things that, that, that people want, that people need. Amen. That's why socks. Think it through. Hallelujah. Amen. If the place of Jesus' birth and the shepherds who examined him established him as the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed for our sin, this visit of the Magi establishes his identity. This is who he is. Everything fits together perfectly. The time, the place, the people, everything around Christmas. So don't let anyone ever tell you that, man, it's a load of nonsense, it's pagan. Listen, before any pagan festival was done on the 25th, God had already ordained the Lamb of God to be birthed, to live, to die, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, it says in, 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 in uh, the book of Revelation, it was already ordained. And people come, pagan religions come, different religions come, different philosophical things come, and they steal and they usurp God's truth. But God was first. Amen? Can someone say amen? amen. This stuff was first. It's significant this time. When the Magi left, after they were warned that Herod was looking to kill Jesus, the family left Judea and they travelled to Egypt for a season. When that season was ended, the family went back to Nazareth. And that is where the Bible says that Jesus began to grow in favour with God and of men. And we read then the rest of his timeline. This stuff, man, is important. This year is important. If you can understand this stuff 
Get it into its place. The rest of the Bible is going to come alive to you. Because no longer will you look at Scripture and you say, oh, that's weird, I don't understand it. You will look at Scripture and you'll say, that's weird, what is it trying to say? What else is behind that? What is underlying that? Because if you ever look at all of the different ways that Scripture just interprets itself, man, there is, there is stuff throughout Scripture that will tell you that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He did what he said he would do. He wants your allegiance. He is the King of Kings. If you're with him, you're blessed. If you fight against him, good luck. Amen? Good luck. All of this stuff is powerful. And the significance of this time of year is that wherever unbelievers have made it with their feasts and festivals, God has clearly shown the process of salvation for whoever believes in Jesus. It doesn't matter about your background. It doesn't matter about your history. It doesn't matter if you followed another religion. It doesn't matter if you broke all the commandments. It doesn't matter if you were a rule breaker or a rebel. It doesn't matter what family you come from, what nation you come from, what language you spoke. It doesn't matter what philosophical situation that you, you kind of adhered to. What matters is that if you, the moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as being the Lord, as being the King, as being the Messiah, as being the Saviour, as being the only one that can forgive you of sin, then you will be forgiven, your life will be changed, your heart will be made new, your mind will be made new, you'll face a different direction in life, you'll have a new perspective in life, you'll have new meaning in life, there'll be new blessing in your life, you'll meet new people in your life, there'll be new openings in your life, more possibilities in your life. I don't care what you think or what you say. That's the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. How many people have been set free in this house when you've come to know Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, man, this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another moment. Give your life to Jesus because there's no one else you can give your life to who's going to take it and make it better. He's going to take away everything that's wrong and He's going to give you back everything that's right. And not only is He going to take away your wrongs, He's going to give you His rights. You're going to have the right to be called a child of the living God. You're going to have the right to be forgiven. You're going to have the right to have your name written in His book for eternity. You're going to have the right to enter into His great uh, temple in, in eternity. You're going to live with Him for eternity. Oh, you're going to have the right to never die again. You're going to have the right. After you die, all right, you step into new life. Hallelujah. Die once, live twice. If you don't know Him, you're going to die twice. That's why we celebrate Christmas. If anyone asks you, that's why we celebrate Christmas. The most important thing is that God the Son became a human so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And now, because of that, there are humans in heaven for eternity. Before it was God and angels. Now it's God, angels and humans. For eternity. One day, we're going to be walking on streets of solid gold, living in a land where you never grow old. Hallelujah. Come on, heaven is better than this. Praise God what joy it is. Huh? We'll be singing those songs. 
And heaven ain't just about, and, and, and there's another thing about heaven and earth and eternity and all the rest of it. I'm not going to get into that right now. But we're, gonna, we're not just going to be sitting on clouds playing harps. There's going to be work to do. There's going to be jobs to do. But the fact is, you ain't going to get tired because you ain't got a body of sin. You ain't going to get fat. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I want, if, they, if they celebrate this time in heaven, then you can eat as many mince pies and Christmas pud and chocolate that you like because you'll have an eternal, spiritual, supernatural, resurrected body. Amen. I think fat cells, fat cells are eternal. Some of you know, they don't seem to die the older you get, but I don't think they're going to be in eternity. Glory to God. I don't know about you, man, but I love this season and I love the fact that Christmas means something more to me than it ever did when I was just singing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin's Runaway, you know, and all them songs that we used to sing when we were kids and, you know, chestnuts roasting around an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Nowadays, it's not just about getting up and looking for what random gifts I've been given this Christmas. I'm coming into this Christmas based upon all the study I've done over the last 29 years, knowing even more than ever that the God that we serve is the only true and living God. That Jesus Christ is the only Saviour and the only hope for mankind. There is no one else like Him. He is who He says He is. He does what He says He will do. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. He is with us. And if He's with us, who can be against us? It's time now that we rise up in this season and for the next season and we realise that we ain't on the defensive no more. We're on the offensive. Jesus Christ is the Lord. That communion between God and humanity has brought healing to us. And that healing is still available today. I want you to stand with me. I wanted to, this Christmas, I wanted to go through all of these facts that Quite honestly, lots of people don't know. I was on a pastor's meeting of senior pastors from different churches, and we were talking about Christmas, and I started speaking about some of this stuff, and it blew their minds. They didn't even know. I mean, you know, sometimes we just, we get blindsided by things that we hear from other people, and we just accept certain facts, and we, we, we even get apologetic about some of the things that Christianity says and does. We're like, oh yeah, Christmas, oh yeah, it's not really Christian. It is. It is. The times mean something. The facts mean something. It's powerful. The Bible's powerful. The Bible is powerful. The Bible gives us, gives us answers to questions that the scientific method can't answer. About consciousness. About love. About purpose. About meaning. The Bible's the Bible can answer those questions. Jesus can answer those questions. And I wanted to do that this Christmas, and now, now we're done. And I really hope that you've got something that's going to help you going forward in your faith. It's going to bring you a bit of solidity in uncertain times. Because I could hype you up, but how I many of you know that 
that lasts as long as the dopamine. Right? But I want our services to give you more than a dopamine fix. You can get that by scrolling mindlessly for reels. I'm not here to hype you, I'm here to help you. I want you to get some stuff that you can take on board that solidifies your faith. That is more than a dopamine hit. It's a spiritual infusion of life. It's truth that sets you free. That you know that your Redeemer lives. That you don't have to apologize for being a Christian. It ain't something weird. It's not something sappy. There is evidence for it. There is evidence for it. Amen. More than any other religion, more than any other book, more than any other philosophical system, there is evidence for Christianity. And one of the greatest evidences is the fact that Jesus comes and lives with us. And you can, you can know him for yourself. What we're going to do today is we're going to take communion and then we're going to pray for the sick. Because there's been a lot of sick people around. And I, I, I don't want us to go into this season sick. So I want you to take a moment right now and begin to pray. Start to ask God to examine your heart. Start to ask Him to look at those areas in your life that maybe you need His help. Maybe you need some healing. I know for some people that there's a lot of healing that's needed. It might be physical healing. The way we're going to do it is we're going to pray and I'm going to do, go through the communion ceremony completely. And then what we're going to do is, as part of our altar call, as you can see, all the elements are here right at the front. I want you to examine yourself and then I want you to come and to take the bread and take the cup and just stand here at the altar and just take it right there and then if you need healing, I want you to stay at the altar and we're going to come and we're going to pray for you. Because it's very, very powerful when you're taking communion that there's a power of God that can flow in healing. And I'm not, once again, I'm not going to hype you, but listen, I believe in divine healing. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen blind eyes see. I've heard deaf and dumb people speak. I've seen leprosy disappear. I've traveled the world. I've seen, I've seen this stuff take place. I've seen people get up out of their beds. I've seen people, you know, set free from hepatitis, from HIV, from addiction. And I really believe that God can touch and he can heal. And what we're going to do is we're going to create that space for him to do that today. Amen. How many of you have been touched and healed by the Lord in some way, shape or form? And you know that it's God that did it. Amen then you know that God is a healer. I mean, if you know and believe that God is a healer. And so we believe that God is going to touch and heal. How many of you, help me out right now, how many of you want every one of us and everyone around you to have a very healthy, good, healthy Christmas this year? So we're going to take communion. Amen.
And then you're going to come. You're going to take communion. And then if you need healing, stay at the altar. And we're just going to pray for you. We've given ourselves a little bit of time to pray for people that are sick. Whether you've got that chest thing that's going around, strep or long COVID, or we, we, we know that there's people watching us online that have been taking chemo, they've been in chemo right now for cancer. Not only do we believe that the chemo will not have a, an adverse effect, we believe God can heal cancer. Amen. Do you believe that? We had a lady in here with a brain tumour. Came. God completely healed the brain tumour. Just disappeared. Just disappeared. We've had people with stuff on their kidneys, on their livers, gone. Just gone. We've had other people, like my wife, who that go through the process. But now she's a living, walking miracle. Because the miracle was a process miracle, not just a crisis miracle. But we believe that God heals. But first of all, we're going to take communion. Matthew chapter 26 says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's just pray right now. The body of Christ is significant. Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Then he took the cup. This cup would have been the bracha, the cup of blessing in the seder meal, the Passover meal. This was the cup of the new covenant. He said, he gave thanks he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Another little point of fact in Scripture. This was a cup that was taken. Judas had already left. Sometimes people say, How comes Judas didn't get a pass? But Peter did. Judas left before the cup had blessing. So he wasn't part of the new covenant. He was still under the old. Under the new covenant, there was no mercy except blood sacrifice. Under the new covenant, Christ gives us mercy when we go to him in repentance. Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Give him thanks right now. Just thank him for a moment. Thank him, in, thank him in advance for what he's about to do in your life. Thank him for healing someone. I've known him heal wombs. I've known people that couldn't conceive, conceive. We've seen fibroids shrink. This stuff is real. So Lord Jesus, we give you thanks today. We give you glory. We do adore you. We do believe that you are the reason for this season. 
There is no one else like you. Because you live, Lord God, we have the opportunity to know what life really looks like. So as we take communion today, I pray, God, that you're going to confirm your word to us. In Jesus' name. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city, and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website, vomanchester.org.uk, for more information.